0: Pastor Doug here from Crossroads. It's great to be with you. I hope that today's message will draw you closer to Jesus. If you and I uh, were out for a cup of coffee and we were talking about this series on building character, one of the questions that I might want to ask you is, you know, what do you think it is in, in your life that could really hold you back? What holds you back from having Christ's character formed in you? What holds you back from taking that next step on your spiritual journey? What is it that can hold you back from becoming uh, the man or the woman that God would love you to be? What are some of the things that just sort of like stunt or pause or hurt your spiritual growth? And I think in that conversation, uh, there would be a number of different answers. But one of the things that would come up for a number of us is this. Oh, we'd say, well, it, it's our past. If we could own it, if we could say it, we'd say it's, it's our past. Uh, the things, you know, our faults, our sins, our failures, our mess ups. And when we, we just think about our past way too often, it, it seems to own us. It, it rents so much space in our brain. And we have a hard time, like, imagining that God could forgive all that. And want us to move forward. And it's simply our past. Not the circumstances that happen throughout your life. Not what other people did to you. Just my past. My sins, my faults, my failures, my mess-ups. Uh, the things that I have done that have wreaked havoc or created a mess in my life. Those kind of things in our past can so often hold us back. From having Christ's character formed in us to take that next step on our spiritual journey of just giving ourselves over to God. And I think one of the reasons that our past can so often limit us or hold us back is because we have a messed up view of God. We don't have a fully accurate view of our Heavenly Father. Uh, you've probably heard it said before that so often um what our earthly father or our earthly parents were like, we take those things and we usually put them onto our heavenly father. So if you had an earthly father who was absent, who was just not present, uh, it's easy to think about God as just like way out there. He's absent. Or if you had an earthly father who was an unloving father, it's so hard to really embrace and understand and engage with a loving God, a loving Heavenly Father. Maybe you had a Father who just sort of kept you at a distance. He, he was in your life, but there was a certain level of depth you couldn't get to. There was a certain level of intimacy that just would never happen. And then you keep your Heavenly Father at a distance because you think that's where He wants to keep you. Maybe you had an earthly Father who just couldn't forgive your mistakes, your sins, your mess-ups, your faults, when, well, then you put that onto God and that creates its own mess of issues. Maybe you had an earthly father who didn't really care all that much about you. And then you think your heavenly father probably doesn't care all that much about you. But really, I'm talking today about how, how what about your parents? How, how did your parents react? How did your parents react when you just really blew it? When you just really messed up, you know, and all your faults and failures. How did your parents react? Because how your parents react is often how we think God would react. And I think it would be sort of a fun conversation for us to all share some of our childhood stories of where we really messed up. Uh, one of the ones that always comes to my mind, well, actually both of my stories involved like, you know, an RV, a motorhome. But the one that I will always remember, I just can't forget about from my past. Uh, we were uh, camping, we were in... California, uh, we were having some generator problems. I was trying to work on something up front, and my knee hit that air brake, and the motorhome coasted backwards into another motorhome. And you know, it was a mess, and the police came, and the police officer said it was the only time he had ever reported an incident where nobody was driving either vehicle. And I mean, it was just bad. And it could have been so much worse, but it was bad. And I really thought my dad would just disown me. Like I was going to lose my last name of Bender. I was going to be kicked out of the family. I just thought it was going to be horrible, horrible. My dad was just incredibly quiet. Not that he wasn't upset. He was just incredibly quiet. So for you and I to really move forward, and not let all that stuff from our past to hold us back from becoming who God really would love us to be, We need to have an accurate view of our Heavenly Father. We need to have a breakthrough. We need to break through all that junk from our past. We need to break through our inaccurate views of our Heavenly Father. And how do you do that? How do you get a more accurate view of who God is? Well, one of the things that maybe you've heard it said this way before, it's my favorite way to say it, is that Jesus was God in a bod. Jesus came to show us what the Heavenly Father was. Was like So if you want to get to know your Heavenly Father more and what he is like, you just need to spend more time with Jesus. Just work your way through the Gospels and see how Jesus treats and interacts with the people around him. And if you've never heard that before, don't just take my words for that. Let's take Jesus' words for that. In John 14, Jesus had this to say. He says, If you had really known me, you would know who my Heavenly Father is. But from now on, you do know him and have seen him because you've seen Jesus. And then two verses later, he says like this, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So here, here's the big question. Do you need a breakthrough? Do you need a breakthrough in your life? Do you need a breakthrough through your inaccurate views and images of your heavenly father do you need to no longer let that junk of your past your sins your faults your failures your mistakes hold you back do you need to just allow christ's character to be formed in you as you move forward in freedom and forgiveness and redemption well here's what i want us to do today i want us to take a case study I want us to look at one person, man, who was incredibly close to Jesus. He was in that inner circle of three, just not within the inner circle of twelve. He was in that inner circle of three. And, man, this person was not perfect. And Scripture does not hide his imperfections. Scripture does not try to scribble out, you know, his faults, his failures, his mistakes, his sins. And we can journey with this individual, and we can see how Jesus Treats him and all of his sins, all of his doubts, all of his mess ups, all of his mistakes and failures. And as we see how Jesus interacts with this individual, we get a really clear view of how our Heavenly Father wants to interact with us and all the junk of our past and all the mistakes that we make in the present and even in our future. And the person we're going to be looking at today is Peter. I want to start off in the very beginning in Matthew chapter 4, the whole initial calling of Peter. And it reads like this. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, uh, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fish for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come, follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. And this is just an incredible story for some of us to hear. It just seems so simple, doesn't it? It seems too easy to just follow Jesus. And what we often mistake is we think it's a once and done. You know, Peter and Andrew, uh, the disciples, they made a one-time decision to follow Jesus. And that's it. They never had to choose to follow Jesus again. But following Jesus is a day-by-day decision. And it is a choice. Because Jesus calls out to them, and it could have been, hey, we like our life. Fishing's not that bad. We enjoy our families. Things are pretty routine. We're okay. Thanks, but no thanks. Other people said no to following Jesus. People today continue to say no to following Jesus. But they left it all, and they followed him. And don't miss a theme that continues throughout Peter's life. It's often revolves around a boat, and often fish, and water. I want us to go on to the next passage in Luke chapter 5. And as we get to this passage, there's a little bit of a difference of how theologians view this. Some people say this is the exact same story from, told from a different angle. Uh, but other people, a number of people say, no, 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 this is separate. So some time has already passed, whether it's days or weeks. Uh, Peter, who left his nets and chose to... Follow Jesus has went right back, right back to fishing. And isn't that what you and I so often do? We choose to follow Jesus. Uh, we change some things. We leave some things behind in our past. But then, time goes by and we end up just going back, rinsing and repeating, doing what we always used to do before. So here we have the story. When he had finished speaking, Jesus had been pushed back by the crowds. He needed a preaching platform so he asked for some of these boats to get pushed out he was preaching from the boats and when jesus had finished speaking he said to simon now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish master simon peter replied we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing but but if you say so i'll let the nets down again And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. And you can see a bit of doubt and you can see a bit of disobedience. And if this is a little bit later in the story, you can see that Peter had stopped following for a time and went back to his old ways. But in this huge haul of fish is where Peter comes to realize his sinfulness and man, that some major changes need to happen. And the story continues on. And let me summarize some of these next sections for you. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid from now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything. And followed Jesus. Please leave me. Please leave me. I'm not worthy. Have you ever felt like that before, God? With all your junk and all your stuff, just like, God, I'm not worthy. Just leave me. And then the doubts and the questions, the wondering what the future will hold, wondering if you're good enough, wondering if it's all real or not. Doubts and questions, man, that, that's a part of the spiritual journey. It is normal for most people as they follow Jesus to have to deal with doubts and questions along the way. It's not a bad thing. As a matter of fact, if you need somebody to say permission, that it's okay. I'm telling you, it's okay. You want to work through those doubts and questions that are a part of faith. One of the things we hear now, we hear about um, people deconstructing their faith. And it's maybe a little bit of a newer term, but it's something that's happened for decades and centuries and even millennia. And if you're not familiar with the term deconstruction, I think about it like this. A few years ago, deconstruction uh, became like a a thing in the food world. You'd order, per se, a deconstructed ice cream sundae. Well, what did that look like? You had a dish of vanilla ice cream. You had a little jar of hot fudge. You had a little jar of peanuts, some cherries, some whipped cream. All separated out. That's all it is. That's what deconstruction is all about. And it can be very healthy to take your faith and to separate some things out and see what doesn't belong. What doesn't line up with Jesus. What doesn't line up with New Testament theology. But the key question, whether you're working through this or someone you love is working through this, the key question you always have to bring back to them is what are you going to do with Jesus? There's a lot of stuff you want to ask. There's a lot of things you want to figure out. But man, at the center is this. What do you think of Jesus? Is he, you've heard maybe this term before, is he a liar, a lunatic, or Lord? Where are you going to land with Jesus? Because man, if you land like I have landed, that he is my Lord, he is the son of God then everything else will work itself out through time. But what we do with Jesus is central to what we believe. It's how we follow him day by day. It's how we make a choice to actively engage and follow him and not our own way or the way of the world. Life in all of its goodness, you and I can choose to follow Jesus. Life in all of its darkness and the bad times, we can choose to follow Jesus. When we're confronted with all of our faults, our failures, our sins, our our mistakes, our shortcomings, we can choose to follow Jesus. And even when someone stops following for a time, there are always opportunities to follow again. And in Peter's doubt and Peter's questioning, perhaps even a gap in Peter's following, Jesus provides instruction and direction don't be afraid stop fishing for fish join me and together we'll fish for people and peter follows and peter follows and let's just fast forward for two years one or two years peter continues to actively follow jesus day by day he he's doing life with jesus ministry with jesus i mean it's day in day out time with jesus by this point in time, Peter has saw multiple miracles: a blind man have his sight back again, the daughter of a, one of the synagogue's religious leaders, who was thought to be dead, has come back to life. I mean, it goes on and on. All the great things that Peter has saw happening. And let's rejoin in Matthew chapter 14. Back out on a boat in the water. Jesus isn't with them at this time. There's a storm. And all of a sudden, they look out and there is Jesus walking on the water. That's the situation. And Peter calls out to Jesus, Lord, if it is really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified. He began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? Now, I love this story. And you can look at this from two different perspectives, right? You can look at this story, you can say, Peter was the only one, like, uh, brazen enough to call Jesus out and to make a request, hey, if it's really you, Tell me to walk on water. And then Peter was the only one courageous enough to get out of a perfectly good boat and to try to walk on water. That's one way you can look at this story. The other way you can look at the story is what? Peter doubted. Peter lacked faith. Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sink. And both of those things are true. See, Jesus corrects and Jesus asked Peter a tough question. Why do you doubt me but again and again in situations like this jesus never rejects peter there's always this option of restoration and redemption there's always an opportunity to choose to continue to to follow jesus come on you and i what might we be tempted to think we would never be like peter come on if we did like life with Pete, with jesus day in and day out if we at first hand saw all of those kind of miracles man we would get it when jesus asked us to do something it would simply be yes sir or yes my lord we would just do it but i think you and i are often way too easy on ourselves and Way too hard on Peter. Two chapters later, two chapters later, Jesus gets incredibly real with his followers, with his disciples. He talks about the necessity of going to Jerusalem and he says that, man, he's going to suffer many horrendous things at the hands of the religious leaders. And he even prophesies that he will be killed. So how does Peter respond, right? He's been there, done all the good stuff with Jesus. He saw the miracles. How does Peter respond to Jesus? Well, take a look at this. Then Peter said, Jesus, that sounds awful, but you are always right, so I'll do whatever you say. Let's go to Jerusalem and prepare for your execution. I'll be by your side the entire time. Let's do it. Jesus turned to Peter and said, thank you, Peter. You're the man. Okay, that's all fake, right? That's not true. That's all fake. That isn't how Peter responds. That's how you and I think we would respond. We'd get it. We'd say, sure, Jesus, whatever you say, we'll follow you. That's not what Peter does. Peter maybe can't bite or control his tongue. Peter can't hold back. Peter can't accept that this could be true, but Jesus is saying, so here's what Peter really says. But Peter took Jesus aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God. And every time. Every time. That things don't go the way that we think they should go. And every time, for you and I, that things don't go the way that we want them to go. Do you know those kind of things? That conversation you had so planned out and that it went a different direction. That relationship, man, that came to an end that you wanted to grow and flourish. That health crisis. That financial endeavor. That job application or promotion. That event or that role at school that you thought for sure would be yours. That pandemic that we thought would have been done eight months ago. That loved one who has made some choices that we so disagree with. And every time. Every time that things don't go our way or the way that we think they should or we want them to, we face the same temptation that Peter did. God, you're wrong. God, that's not the way things are supposed to go down. God, my way is right. I know best. And we never say those words out loud, at least do we? But our thoughts and our actions reveal that to be way too true, way too often. And Jesus responds to Peter in an incredibly direct way. Get behind me, Satan. That's a rebuke. And then Jesus gives direct correction Peter this is why you're messing up Peter this is where you went wrong you're seeing things from an earthly point of view you're not seeing what god is about to do but jesus he doesn't reject peter he he doesn't kick peter out of that circle of 12 or that inner circle of 3 And then please don't miss this, because this is what we can learn from Peter and how he interacts with Jesus, who represents our Heavenly Father. Peter doesn't allow all of his mistakes, his faults, his failures, his sins, his mess-ups to hold him back. And Jesus uses these kind of opportunities, these mistakes, these mess-ups, these sins to call Peter into a whole different level and depth of goodness. And Christ's character is continually formed in Peter, even during the darkest of days and the worst of decisions. And Peter continually has a choice, day by day, to follow Jesus or to go his own way. This is the beautiful lesson that we learn from Peter. He takes the correction. He takes the rebuke. He takes the instruction. And he goes deeper with Jesus. Christ's character is formed in him as he chooses to follow Jesus day by day. And come on, we're just scratching the surface of. Peter's mess-ups, mistakes, faults, failures, and shortcomings, aren't we? There are the times where he's so misunderstood, he just did not or could not get what Jesus was teaching, and Jesus had to reteach it again and again and again and explain it out. There's a time there, Peter was one of the ones that tried to keep the babies and the children from Jesus, thinking that they would be a distraction. Peter was one of the guys who had that conversation, Hey, Jesus! Come on, tell us the truth. Which one of us is the greatest? Come on, come on, come on. Let, let us know. Which one of us is the greatest, Jesus? Peter's the one who, when Jesus kneeled before Peter to wash his feet, Peter said, no, Lord, never. When Peter was told to stay awake and pray, he falls asleep. Whenever the religious leaders and the Guards come to arrest Jesus. It's Peter who acts out with his sword and he cuts off the ear of one of the arresting party. And the list goes on, doesn't Scripture doesn't hide any of this stuff, because Peter doesn't have to be afraid or shame or guilty about his past, because he knows his heavenly Father, because he knows Jesus. There's one on this list that you know, you know that I'm missing yet. Just want to shout it out on the, on the list of Peter's greatest mistakes, faults, and failures. It's one that sticks out more in our minds and more in history. And let's go to Luke chapter 22. Jesus has been arrested. He's on the way to everything he said to be true, to suffer horrible things at the hands of the religious leaders, to give up his life. So they arrested Jesus, and they led him to the high priest home, and Peter followed at a distance. Peter followed at a distance. Does that ever describe your life? I mean, that's described in my life. Yeah, I'm going to continue to follow Jesus, but I'm going to follow him at a distance. When we follow Jesus at a distance, nothing good ever comes of that, does it? And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this, you, this man was one of Jesus' followers. It's time for Peter to shine, right? You and I would never do this, right? And Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. And after a while, someone else looked at Peter and said, you must be one of them. No, no, man, I am not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. Betrayal. Rejection, fear, cowardice, denial, dismay, disobedience, disbelief. I mean, isn't this a fear that we maybe have all wrestled with at one time or another? I mean, if I was under extreme persecution, would I crumble? If my life and livelihood, or the life and livelihood of Someone I greatly loved was depending on me saying that I'm not a follower of Jesus. Would I deny him? And if I did, is there any way to come back from that? Can you come back from that level of betrayal? Can that ever be redeemed? It's a reminder of a theme that we see throughout Peter's life. Boats and water and fish. And let's fast forward. Death and resurrection of Jesus have happened and we're going to go to John chapter 21. And where's Peter at? He's back out on the boat. He's back to fishing. So Simon Peter said to a few of the other disciples, I'm going fishing. Welcome to, they said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing, all night at dawn at dawn right when darkness breaks and gives way to light at dawn jesus was standing on the beach but the disciples couldn't see who he was he called out fellows have you caught any fish no they replied then jesus said throw out your net on the right hand side of the boat and you'll get some so they did and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. They couldn't recognize who it was. But, you know, there had to be hope. There had to be a thought. This seems all too familiar. Just maybe, maybe it's Jesus. And I love this. So they did. No questions, no doubt, no disbelief. It's just obedience. So they did. An active choice to follow Jesus. And here's a question I'd love for us all to wrestle with this week. If you had turned your back on Jesus in his darkest hours, if you had denied that you even knew Jesus when the pressure was on, how would you respond in that moment on the boat? For some of us, man, we would just curl up and hide. The shame would be that great. For some of us, like Judas, man, we would allow the guilt to overwhelm us. We would just want to die. But Peter knew what his heavenly father was like because he knew what Jesus was like. So Peter ran. Peter swam to Jesus. The boat with the fish, way too slow. And so many times, Peter needed to break through, and Jesus continued to allow him to break through his past, his faults, his sins, his failures. And here's how the story closes out. It's so beautiful. Jesus cares for their needs. He feeds them breakfast. He directly and lovingly corrects Peter by asking him three times, do you love me? Jesus gives instruction and direction about Peter's future, and it's not all sunshine and rainbows. And then in verse 18, Jesus once again says, follow me. Follow me. And Peter makes a choice to actively once again Follow Jesus. He becomes a leader in the new church, this ecclesia, this gathering of Jesus' followers. And Christ's character is continually formed in Peter. And for the next three decades, Peter continues to make that choice day by day to follow Jesus. And history tells us that Peter died by crucifixion, but upside down because he did not find himself worthy to die the same way that Jesus did. So you need a breakthrough in your life? Is that past holding you way back? Is it keeping from Jesus and forming his character in you? Because we know Jesus, we know our Heavenly Father, and He always makes room for redemption and restoration to happen. So we close, I want to give a sort of a joint confession. For all of us, whether you're online or in person, on your connection card, it it reads like this. It says, like Peter, I've made mistakes. I have my shortcomings and have sinned. But like Peter, I accept Jesus' instruction, correction, and discipline. I acknowledge that like Peter, Jesus never rejects me. Jesus calls me into deeper goodness. It's a truth for all of us, but man, it's a healthy confession to make. Maybe for you... You've been on the outside looking in, and today's a day that you just say, you know what? Jesus asked me to follow, and I'm ready to follow. You check that box. I'd love to follow up with you, resource. You'd love to celebrate that act of decision to follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are a good, loving, gracious, holy, forgiving, heavenly Father that Jesus represented you and showed us the way to you and what you are like. That man, our, when we make mistakes, when we mess up, when we sin, our faults and our failures, all that kind of stuff, you don't hold that against us. You continually make a way for redemption and restoration. You lovingly correct and rebuke and discipline and direct, but you never reject you always have that heart for restoration. So for those of us that have allowed our past to hold us back to limit our future, may we experience a breakthrough today. May we break through our faults and our failures, our sins and our shortcomings. And may we make an active choice to follow you, Jesus, day by day. May your character be formed In us. Have your way. Have your way in us. We pray this and commit this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Any step you take towards Jesus is a step in the right direction. You can find out more about us at CRBIC.org. That's CRBIC.org.